Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Getting Started Podcast, the podcast where I interview local San Diego artists about how they got started doing what they love. I'm your host, Chad Lee Times, and this is podcast number two. In this podcast, I get to interview Shammy D. Shammy D is a DJ, he's an artist, a producer, and just a really amazing guy, and he's super creative. He's got a lot of projects going, and he's really somebody to check out. When we did this interview, we were working on a show at the La Jolla Playhouse called Tiger Style. Shammy was on the sound design team. He actually was performing live, doing live DJ work for the show, and was uh, collaborating with the sound designer of that show. And he was kind enough to, uh, once the show closed, to meet in the studio when we got to do this interview. I had already met Shammy because he DJs the opening night parties um, a lot at the La Jolla Playhouse and he just brings such an energy to, to the stage and he's so fun to watch and he just gets everybody dancing. So I already knew he was somebody who would be really fun to, to talk to, but then after getting to know him a little better uh, on Tiger Style, I just I, I knew that we had to have this interview because he really embodies what this podcast is all about and I am so lucky that I got to have this interview with him. All right, enjoy the interview, get inspired. Uh, be sure to listen to the end so you can hear one of Shammy's original tracks, Freedom. And uh, all right, without further ado, Shammy D. All right, Shammy D. Yeah. Welcome. What up? You're my second interview. How are you doing? Yes, I'm feeling good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm ready for this, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just closed Tiger Style, mm-hmm. and you uh, performed in Tiger Style here at, the, here at the La Jolla Playhouse. Yes, yes, uh, yes. How was your experience with that? It was great. So I I'm actually the house DJ for the Playhouse, and I've been the house DJ for the past like eight years. And um, I, as you know, I went to school here, so it was kind of full circle being a performer at the Playhouse and like being on the other side of the stage as opposed to just viewing all these different plays that have come in in the past eight years. So it, it was exciting. It was a great experience working with you, working with Sound Folk, working with Jaime, the cast. Like, all together, it was just such a fun... Uh, it was a fun time, a good time. And it, it was a nice break from just regular DJing because after a while, it can... You do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It gets a little... On top of repetitious, it gets a little old. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to shake things up with DJing in a totally different context. Right. So we had fun with that. And I, I was just so inspired by that team. I, I thought it was something new that we haven't really done before. Mm-hmm. And having working with Misha, the sound designer, who I yeah. love. And you guys have a history. I think all three of you with Jaime and Misha yeah. have a history. Um, and, and doing this DJ set uh, in a play with transitions, it just was super inspiring. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I wanted to ask you, because... I, I wondered if it affected you differently because as a DJ, I feel like there's a lot of improvisation happening. You're, you might mm-hmm. you know have a set list ready, but you're you're feeling the audience and changing stuff. And then a theater setting, it's you got to do the same thing every yeah. night, especially with this show. We you know trying to hit the same the same thing every night. And you were performing live with Push as well as mm-hmm. doing your uh, uh, Serato and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So did that was that kind of something that you do? You have a preference as far as what you like to do? Uh, the I I love the freestyling aspect of it and feeling the crowd and and having some kind of idea of what I'm doing when I'm getting into it. With theater, it's it is definitely more performative. So if I'm doing, if I was doing a tour, everything would kind of be 
if I was doing a show that went on tour, we have we'd have a set, we'd have certain times we do things to kind of be ready to go, so we can execute the same thing in every city. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it was in similar similar vein, so it was nice to just know I have to hit my cues here and just be on it every single time. So that made things a lot easier, obviously, because it's all the improv and the the finessing phase was in the in during tech in rehearsals when we were playing with ideas and that's where the fun the fun was there and trying to figure out what was going to get played and then at that point it's just execution so i i prefer the freestyle aspect of it but there's something that's kind of there's something that i don't i can let go of and just it's like choreography i don't have to improv i know the moves i got i know when i got to hit the cues and i'm good mm-hmm. so it's it's mm-hmm. a lot less like mental intensive than the other way right yeah right and uh and this was your first time working with uh ableton's push correct yes yeah and you kind of fell in love with it i think oh I, yeah I, I have one as well and I, i'm a big fan of it yeah yeah so just yeah, kind yeah. of for the the gear side of it oh uh, i think it's something you might start incorporating into your your sets or yeah yeah so i've over over time i, I definitely want to get into the the functionality because you can you can go deep in ableton and really do some crazy stuff and um I that combined with push, I'm sure you can freak music like no other. Yeah. And so I, I definitely want to get more into what the capabilities of push can do, mm-hmm. and and definitely start incorporating that more into into my sets because it's we're kind of nowadays we're in a controller age. Yeah. To some to yeah. a large degree, there's not a lot of turntablists doing their thing. My preference will always be vinyl over CDJs and and controllers. It mm-hmm. to me, it's a completely different feel, and because that's what I learned on. I mean, right. at the baseline. Right. But putting like adding something like push into a turntable set would be super dope. DJs kind of do that already though for mm-hmm. like Red Bull three style competitions and uh DMC turntable competitions. They might not use push, but they might use machine or right. little devices for queuing things up. So how can I take that concept and really turn it on its head? Yeah, and so more adding it to your set because, like you said, you you prefer turntable, so that's something you might always use. Yeah, uh, but just incorporating the push and some some MIDI stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, super awesome. Um, okay, cool. Let's maybe um, just talk a little bit about your background, um, where you're from, where you live now, and then yeah. kind of how you started uh, getting started yeah. with your art and stuff like that. So. so I grew up born and raised in LA, okay. Cali native, um, repping Los Scandalous, and I. <laughs> came I, I now live in Hollywood okay um, so I'm back in LA oh okay. and and been there for quite some time now and um I got started I was always performing as a kid so in school shows and I, I was in a youth group and we performed and did tours like during the summer and doing little school functions here and there so Performing and being on stage it seemed very natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I leaned toward that, so okay. it seemed like a direction. It was a direction that I wanted to go in for sure. Okay, and I wanted to DJ. I got I got into DJing early on. I didn't start DJing, but I remember sitting in the back of my mom's brown '89 Honda Accord after getting picked up from you know at the time daycare or in junior high, like after school, what whatever programs they had after school. And sitting and listening to Power 106, mm-hmm. traffic jams. So the DJ would be playing during traffic, uh, um, rush hour traffic. 
And I just love the concept of how he took song A and song B and that blend, mixing them together, it was like it was like a song in and of itself. That would change all the time. And if you took song A and mixed it with song C, it would be a whole the or sorry, if you just mixed it with a different song, right, right, right. it would have a whole that mix would be a whole different flavor. Yeah, yeah. And I love that concept of always keeping the music going, never let the vibe drop. Uh-huh. And and I from that point I was like, This is cool. How do I what how do they do this? What what do they do? What do they use? And I remember getting a guitar center has catalogs and whatnot, but at the time I was getting stuff from New York, so like Music Factory catalogs and just flipping through their their seeing their DJ gear, their production gear, and I would drooling over all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. As a young kid, and I couldn't. So at this time, it was like mid '90s. So NWA was at its peak, Gangster Rap was at its peak, and. I was like, Mom, I want a DJ. And she's like, absolutely no, not having it. I read that it. in your bio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my child is not going to be a gangster rapper. Oh. And I'm like, no, it's not. I mean, she, she didn't yeah, say that, but yeah. like, she's seen Snoop and Dre on MTV, and that's not what she wants her son to be. Right, so right, right. I'm like, no, she's like, DJs do bad things, and they go to bad parties. I'm like, no, that's not true. They they just play music. It's fun. And so for three years, we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and this was, you were, like, you said about I was, junior high? Or, or yeah, yeah. Even, so uh, I, I think at this time when I started uh, really pushing for it, I was yeah. in, like, high school. And for three years, we went back and forth. And finally, I was like, Ma, I promise it would be nothing more than a bedroom hobby. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, as long as it stays there, we're cool. So I got my first set of decks and i remember there were some really cheapy newmark uh newmark decks with a plastic tonar mechanism uh-huh. so i remember you couldn't you couldn't scratch really hard because the the needle would jump oh okay so it really taught me how to be light on my hands and I had techniques first mixer mm-hmm. the first model they came out with uh and that's how i learned and then i realized that i should have paid more money and got better stuff off the top instead of having to drop like two grand right before college started to right. upgrade my tables to techniques which by the way i still use those same for, tables same tables yeah for my gigs we use them in tiger style yeah, yeah, yeah and um they still they're workhorses man yeah they are workhorses uh, that's something i was inspired um by you as well is because i'm such a a, a gear junkie i love it i i play guitar yeah. I all these guitar pedals all the time ask yeah. anybody who knows me but I, I i felt like you like i saw your decks and i'm like he's been using these for a long time yeah and i just thought that was cool that you you bought your decks you got them and then you use those yes for all your gigs yeah. and you you stay true um for, for me it's it's kind of a hindrance because i get so interested in like what's this going to sound like what can i do with this how can this improve whatever absolutely but it's nice when you just have something that you keep working with and uh and and know yeah. and then just and produce and that's and that's again that's kind of the point of this podcast and the, and something I struggle with is just producing yeah finishing the project finishing the the, the work so. yeah 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 the work definitely and 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 we'll definitely like touch on this the just the idea of like doing the work guess I had it and just continued to use it and made sure it's you know serviced it mm-hmm. make sure yeah. it's up to date you know but these this is how I make my living and yeah. so it's it's. They, I mean, they came out with better turntables, but the not. Well, I don't want to say better because Newmarks. I mean, techniques are the standard, but the we initially had the Newmarks, and they just had stronger torque. And so there was a, you can feel a difference between. I could feel a difference between the the Newmark turntables and the techniques. The techniques have a little less torque than the old school. 
new market. This is all gear junkie no, stuff, conversation. No, I, I love it, this, but shit. It, but it's interesting because it's just like it's an instrument. Yeah, and just the way the way a guitar to me might feel different from like different brands. Like yeah. the way that how smooth it is, and like you said, the needle jumping and not like it's just it's an instrument, and mm-hmm. and it's interesting, you know how that how that affects your flow and your and your hands. Absolutely, even like mixer faders will feel yeah. different, and and like the Vestax faders would have that certain click, mm-hmm. uh, and then they brought out like an inner fader, and the rain faders are like non-contact magnetic. So it's interesting how these little nuances make a difference in what the final outcome of whatever it is you're working on, be it guitar tones or scratching, Yeah. the final outcome of what, you know, does it make it easier when they introduce the, the reverse function on crossfaders? Yeah. So instead of using it in a typical fashion, you know, I can have my fader on, what is it, the left side and scratch scratch with the left turntable as if it would you know right, right, it's, right. I'm doing a horrible job at explaining this but right, right. I see you know, just just little functionalities to mm. improve turntablism and how it kind of pushes things forward I also love learning more like I, I serviced um, or try we tried to service your tables uh, here yeah yeah but and just learning that they were magnetic like the, the tables just pop right off and, and I was expecting I guess like a like a rubber band and motor type yeah, of thing yeah, but it yeah. was magnetic and then so it was it was cool to learn that see uh even deeper inside your tables and kind of learn more about what you do and, and how that stuff works so again as a gear junkie i love talking about that hey, stuff i'm a gearhead um and so that's interesting you know with with your mom being hesitant about you wanting to go into the arts which i think every parent deals with i, I dealt with that Absolutely. and um i didn't know that i wanted to do music until i was in my 20s but i i always felt that i had to defend myself you know yeah. from your your family wants you to do well be successful they yeah. want you to be a doctor or whatever mm-hmm. um so how did you break through and and decide like no this is what i'm doing and i'm not i'm going to jump all in because i think um in order to be an artist and be a musician, you really have to jump all the way in. Yeah. Um, and so how did you how did you do that and how did you break through and, and kind of Yeah. The I I feel I completely understand that whole idea of the parents they're like art, how do you make a living out of art? Because most parents don't know working artists, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel at the the bottom line for them is they want to make sure their kids are do better than them or at least can make a living for themselves and live comfortably totally. and not have to struggle in the same way they did. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I think it's just hard for parents who are not artists to to know that it is possible because they're not around working artists. So they've never seen that model or that paradigm and say, oh, this is actually a possibility for my child um, so I can support this and get behind it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't until one day figuring out like tax paperwork i was like oh oh i've this doesn't sound like a bad ending number to to come out with yeah yeah. i think i can do this full time Mm -hmm. and and she was like oh yeah that's pretty good like we can do this and she saw that i was able to make a living and pay rent and i was like okay so she feels good knowing that I'll be all right. I'm not making doctor money by right, any right, means, right. right? But but I'm I'm making a comfortable living where I can still pursue my art and live my life. Not that I'm living extravagantly, even though I live in Hollywood. It's not it's not extravagant living by any means. So right, but you're doing what you love and what you're inspired to do, and, and I think that's all anybody. I I would love to to think that most people that get into 
um, art forms would just they just want to keep doing. It. They want to be able to maintain that lifestyle. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, there was an artist. There's an artist Ryan Leslie who I'm a big fan of, and he was saying he would work a minimum wage job, but if you were able to work a minimum wage job and do music, you're way ahead than most people yeah. because you found a way to make it work. Yeah. Right. And um, I mean, minimum wage isn't necessarily livable wage, but right. if you're able to get paid consistently for doing for doing something, mm-hmm. you're in a good space. Yeah. And and f- knock on wood, like it took a long time, but yes. it's yes. able to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my trajectory coming out of college was I was DJing for Bloomingdale's mm-hmm. um, here in San Diego for about a year. And then I moved back home and tried to get into the Bloomingdale's up north, but it, it didn't happen. I mean, pe- people have their people, right? Yeah, so yeah. the the bosses, the PR folk had their folks that they were working with. Right. And so I, I tried Nordstrom because so I was like, if Bloomingdale's has DJs, I'm sure Nordstrom would have. And it took a few months to get in the door, but now Nordstrom is one of my bigger clients. Okay. And, and I work with them all ev- like all the time, every spring, summer, and sometimes in between. When that's because when the fashion trends happen or the okay. new shows and um, lines come out, so I I'll work with them. I was doing private parties, special events, and eventually, in the meantime, by the way, when I got out of college, I was working part time as a DJ. Mm-hmm. I was working as a boxing trainer. Oh, I was teaching dance out in East Lake um, and drumming. For a tap class. Wow. So I was running around kind of trying to make it work. And right. made was able to pay rent while I was living out here and mm-hmm. then moved back with my parents and was working as a trainer up in L.A. and then DJing part-time um, until DJing started to pick up. So my whole thing... I'm, I'm feeling it's a bit scattered, but I want to touch on... Because I think the, the main point of what you're what we're talking about is like how to make it happen. Yeah. And number one, you got to do good work. Right. Right. right? And you off, off the bat, like I put years into my craft. Mm -hmm. I put years into hours into learning how to mix. Well, I, I've cleared out dance floors in the club. I mean, you got to suck in the beginning before you get better. So I remember like being in San Diego and DJing at Onyx room yeah. And I was like, this is the jam. I had an outcast record, The Way You Move. I yeah. was like, this is hot. Played it. The crowd cleared. And I remember feeling so nervous and like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? And figuring out what the next record would be to make sure everybody gets back on the dance floor. And it took a while to figure out, oh, when I'm out, crowds want to hear more top 40 music. They don't want to hear this kind of music or that kind of music. So learning how to hone hone in on what the crowd wants, reading the crowd, and and just honing the skills, man. When I was when I was out here, I was DJing clubs for twenty bucks a night for months. And how many hours? Are... I mean, I was there. I was there for most of the night. Wow. But, I mean, at least two, three hours, and right. I would rotate with a couple other DJs. And but that's how, that's really how I cut my teeth. Yeah. By like barely barely getting paid, rocking for months on end, and figuring it out. You know. Yeah. I mean. 
nowadays nobody would really, probably wouldn't do that but but, yeah, but but you have to start i mean and and that's the unfortunate side of it is you're always willing to start out for free yeah. and then and then you know then it sets a precedent for people maybe not paying musicians right. or DJs enough like i my band played a gig at soda bar uh, a couple weeks ago we got paid 25 bucks each and i was like oh my god this is yeah, amazing yeah. so up. but again to like break through and then and then and uh, to keep pursuing that and hopefully start making more and more money absolutely um, so you can continue doing that absolutely because that's that's the thing that's going to get you better yeah and and if you can find a way to make money doing that all the better but you got to put in that time like malcolm gladwell says in i think it's blink or outliers but the beatles were just hours and hours in germany playing at this club yeah. doing covers and they just their skills were so dope they were able to connect with each other so well and when they played it was more than just making new songs. Like they had music in them mm-hmm. so much so that they were just making hits because they were playing hits over and over and over and just gets in your system. So I was DJing over and over and learning to read crowds. And when I when I moved back to LA, it expanded to like private parties and um, all kinds of different events, which led to me learning how to, okay, I'm DJing at a mall, women and children here. Obviously, I'm not going to play any kind of aggressive music, hip-hop, house, trance. Like, that's not going to work. Right. So learn how to, okay, I can I can play this and make it work and have, people can have a good time. I can play, lean more toward top 40, some R&B, some funk. That works for this crowd. I'll do an 80, 80-year-old birthday party. So I'm definitely going to play 60s. I'm going to play some, lean more towards Motown. And all, all these, I hated it at first because I just didn't have the music. Right. But I figured it out. Like, oh, you need this. So I went home and I got more Motown or I got more 80s. And over time, just developed the the crates, the song list, the, and the skills of just being able to figure out what to play at what time. And so now I can go anywhere and... If I may not have an idea of what the crowd exactly wants, because you can never know. Right. There's so many people in the crowd with all this different taste. But now I have a better handle. If they like this, I can move in that direction mm-hmm. and play these songs and the crowd will totally have a good change time. Totally change it up, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did you deal with, uh, I'm going to call it failure, just because I think as artists we deal with that a lot. And, yeah. And it's super easy to be scared back into your, under your rock. So if you, when you did Clear Room, let's say, how did you push through that? And then go out again in another night and try to to do better. Like how did I think that takes so much courage and is so hard. Yeah. Uh, so how did you do that? It it so I could never. So if I'm doing a set, I I can't walk out in the middle of it because I feel like crap, right? So right. I might feel really bad and feel nervous, but I had to pick another record and I had to just keep the I had to keep it going because I was paid to play the night and I it's a necessary thing Mm -hmm. and growing as an artist in my earlier days failure was so hard because it's like oh I suck and I'm a horrible DJ I'm never like did you see the crowd they they left they hated the music um or they didn't you know my friends didn't like the, the new song I made or this painting doesn't look good but it's I look at it now as just feedback. This didn't work. Mm-hmm. And and I think maybe that's also how I didn't maybe call it that years ago. But now I look at it as, okay, well, now I know that this song didn't work. So 
I'm going to try this song next time, or I'm going to have to buy a couple more records and see what that does um, because I'm going to be back again next Saturday. And if I do the same thing, I'm going to get the same result. And I'm still surprised to this day because I'll play records that I think are going to hit that the crowd will walk out on. Right. Um, They might not clear the floor anymore, but Mm -hmm. less people will be on the dance floor. And I'd be like, what? I remember doing that with a Prince record and playing, I think it was 1999. I was like, it's a jam. And it was an older crowd. And they kind of were like not feeling it. it. No. And I was like, yo, this is is Prince. Yo, what? what?" (laughs) So I even, I still get surprised, but I got to just pick another record that'll work. Uh, And so on the DJing end, that's, that was, I mean, knowing that I had to come back the following week just made me like, okay, what am I going to f- play next time? So it almost and, like charged you, like you were like, okay, I learned this mistake or, or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. And so let's, let, how can I do better the yeah. next time? Or, or, or do you, do you ever see the crowd as a challenge? Like, all right, what, how am I going to, yeah. what am I going to play for these guys? Mm-hmm. What are they going to, what's going to get them going? Absolutely. Yeah. And every crowd is a challenge. Like I, I'll do weddings and that, that's a, that's interesting bag because yeah. you get your crowd might be 20 year olds to 80 year olds mm-hmm. grandparents come out right and then they are not going to listen to the same thing so how do you get everybody right. you can't you, there will never be a time where everybody's on a dance floor like right. it happens but it's not always consistent yeah um so where where's the medium Where's the medium that I can get most people on the dance floor feeling good and feeling happy? And that that has been uh, when I come into a new crowd and see at a wedding or at any event, it's like, okay, where where's the line? And that's kind of the experimenting, let's try this record, let's try that. There's different techniques that people, I've heard that people use and you see what hits and then you kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. I go from there. Yeah. Um, but even as a creator, because DJing is... The difference with DJing is I'm playing other people's music, but when I'm creating and I feel like something doesn't work or I get negative feedback, what I would think is negative feedback, it, it'll be tough. It'll set me back. Yeah. Especially I, when you put you know so much work into it or it really feels good to you and then have somebody say, I'm not feeling this. Or, right. Yeah. I, I, it's very vulnerable. Yes. Right? You're yeah. putting yourself out there and, and especially singers or I mean even if you're making beats it's vulnerable because it's your creation mm-hmm. um, but I remember when I was working on the album playing stuff for my class and just feeling naked because yeah. you're you're hearing not the always the final product but in process of what's going on and it's like okay like this is this is kind of where it's at for now here's the bar and you may you may not like it but here here I stand with with this and Getting getting negative feedback is tough. I mean, not all feedback is negative, I guess. we It's what we perceive it to be. Yeah, and I know for me personally, like I, I want the constructive criticism. Yes. I don't want people to beat around the bush. I'll be like, hey, what, you know, what do you like and what don't you like? Just tell me straight up because I want to change it. I want to you know, yeah. work on it. So do, do you the same way? Yeah, yeah, and of... I, I think it's also important like who we get our feedback from, Yeah. right? So because some might be like, oh, that sucks. And why? What's wrong with it? Nah, it's not feeling it. Not helpful at all. And that's right. horrible. Or if they don't even like that genre of music that you're creating or whatever it, you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it might not be their taste. Yeah. So there, there, are many, there are many X variables in getting feedback from people. But 
um, constructive criticism for sure. Mm-hmm. So I have I, now I have the people that I trust, and they'll tell me if something works or if something doesn't, and why, or try this to make it better, or the, the sound. Like I like the feel. Uh, I would switch out a couple things here and there, like change this kick to something else. Let's add a different synth sound and see what happens there. But not like it's whack. Don't yeah. play that shit for me again. Like for sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how how do you prepare for a DJ set now? That's that's a good question. Um, at this point, at at this point, I kind of just go in. Not a lot of preparation. Uh, I don't do set lists. I don't uh-huh. do any of that. I guess I and I, I got this question because I was watching um, the gig you did for Mary J. Blige. I don't know yeah, how old yeah. that is, but I just I just yeah. randomly watched that. Yeah. And then so I was like, oh my gosh, how did he prepare for something like that? Like it's 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 a big deal. It's a big scale. Totally. And so totally. Yeah. So that they so I talked with Mary's reps and yeah. her manager had sent me. Cause that was like a Mary J. Blige mega mix, basically. Right. And so I, they sent me all these MP3s of her stuff, and they're just like, play. Oh, it. you were incorporating her stuff. Yeah. With, is, okay. All I played was Mary uh, at that okay. gig. Okay. And so the way I prepared for that was I just took a few hours out and was like, how did these blends work together? Does does this sound good? Does that sound good? Or I don't like this blend. Let's try this song, mm-hmm. and and just played with all the music and got somewhat familiar with it because I had to repeat. I mean, it was enough for an hour and some change. And I think that event went for like three hours. Three hours, yeah. Yeah, so just in that sense, I had to repeat the list, but it was okay. That's what they gave me. Great. So that's how I prepared for that. But nowadays, I will will also download a lot of new music from record pools, and I don't have this in my set. Or like, for example, I heard the new Bruno Mars 24 Karat Magic. Fire. I love that track. Yeah. So I made sure I had that in my set to play that. And now I'll make sure the BPMs are ready, and I'll know the key because I like to mix in key as well. Oh, okay. And wow, it's it's fun, and it just sounds better on the ear. Yeah. Uh, and and play, and just play around. Another way I'll prepare is actually mixtapes. Okay. And so when I'll make a DJ mix, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll spend twelve to twenty. Uh, I was maybe ten to fifteen hours. Uh, playing programming saying okay i'm gonna play this song after this and i'll try numerous songs with with each other and see what blends sound dope to me mm-hmm. and and set them in a specific order before i record the whole thing okay and so doing that actually helps me with because i really learn the songs by doing that right and so that helps me when i go dj i'll know in the back of my mind this sounds good and these sound good together so i'll throw that in the mix mm-hmm. um and and that's another way to prepare, uh, but I haven't done mixtape in a while, um, so I feel like I'm not I'm missing out on the familiarity with some of the more recent stuff, but that'll change. I'll drop a mixtape soon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know you from doing our opening nights mm-hmm. here at La Jolla Playhouse. But when I was looking, I was researching you this weekend. You do so many things. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, so is DJing your kind of your main gig yeah. that you do? Your main preference? Your main art form? I think it's the main thing that has provided an income uh-huh. for now. I if I had to choose between creating music and playing music, I'd rather create music mm-hmm. and make the main income. And that's what we're working toward now. But uh, or I'm working toward now, but DJing has been. People know me because of my DJing, right. so that's 
what I run with for now. Yeah. Um, but I, I was really interested in your, um, music making. And again, I was listening to, um, transcripted thoughts. Yeah. Right. And so like, let's talk a little bit about your music production and, um, how I'm kind of interested to know how long it takes you to, to write a track. Yeah. Um, and, and how do you start, you know, how do you, Yes, that's a, I don't have a hard and fast way of starting. A lot of the times it starts with drums. So mm-hmm. I'll go with drum sounds or synth sounds. So I'll find, this is interesting. What can I do with this pad? Or what can I do with this um, <clears throat> synth loop? And go from there. And I'm, I'm getting this kind of feeling. So I'll, I'll just add maybe some, find some drums that I think work for the moment. And then kind of build layer from there and from the ground up okay yeah um and then how long have you been singing because i had no idea that you sang either yeah yeah. singing for for a while um i mean since school but like seriously taking lessons for sure for the past five years okay yeah okay um but i haven't i mean i haven't performed out Oh, that's a lie. No, I've done a couple. I've sung. I've sung for some folk, but not yeah. like as a big performance uh, with like original music. So I've done covers for people, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And what's your collaborative aspect on uh, the music you've been making? Like, do you do you do most of that production yourself in your own studio? Yeah. Um, I know you have guest vocalists and stuff, but you know, what about the music and and? Yeah. So now. Uh, so for the most of it, for for most of it, it's me doing everything: mm-hmm. vocals, writing, recording, kind of a one man show. Yeah. Something that I've actually been realizing coming out of Tiger Style is that it's it's better with a team. Yeah. And so I'm I'm getting way more open to collaborating with folks uh-huh. now and trying to re- I'm reaching out to some other folks and seeing, hey, let's just let's just jam, let's just work on a track, let's make some stuff, and see what comes out. Uh, when I did the album, it was total team process. Okay. That album could not have been done one man show. Right. Uh, I, so that was the final project for ICAM. Mm-hmm. Graduated oh. ICAM. Oh, great. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to ICAM Rolls. Shammy, <laughs> Shammy and I, for listeners out there, did, uh, went through the same uh, undergrad program here at UCSD. So. <laughs> um, and so the project, the final project was open ended, and I'm like, I'm going to do an album. Which was actually met with a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. People were like, "Good luck." Yeah, and, and also I, they want you to because I did the same thing. Yeah, and they want you to be more experimental and crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so I was like, "Well, I'm doing it." And so I had friends who were engineers, and one classmate of mine uh, was a professional engineer. And then I went to another studio who did the rest of the album and record, like engineering the album. Okay, uh, and mix. <clears throat> Shouts to my man Pistol Pete, Riot Sound. My boy Pistol Pete had re- recorded and, and mixed the rest of the album because the halfway point was an EP. That project I did with my classmate. So he recorded it um, and Pete had mixed it. But I had, like, I mean, my, my all my friends were, all my artist friends were on the album. So my boy VJ, my boy Jay, Brian... I had my homegirl Zandy, singer. I had some of my other folks who were producers, like one of my boys, uh, Ben Frost. He's up in the Bay. He's a dope producer. He contributed three tracks to the album. My boy Joe, we collaborated on. He he produced one 
two tracks, I think, mm-hmm. for sure one. And we had replayed all the stuff live. And then I had my musician friends come in and <clears throat> record their stuff. So so I was wondering about that too, if you, if you used samples or if you had musicians doing the... We did both. Great. Yeah. yeah, and some of them we had samples with musicians on top of it. Okay. So like Code of Conduct was one where Ben, that was Ben's beat. And then I had a grad student friend, uh, Alan, come in and lay down all the um, the woodwinds. Okay. It sounded dope. Wow. Um, my friends, I, I call him, his name James. I call him James the Funk God because he's just such a dope drummer. <laughs> um, like the intro and outros, like they played on him. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names. Tom, Mike, Tom on bass, upright. Mike played keys. I even had uh, Mr. Kenyatta, my jazz piano teacher. He plays the uh, outro Mm -hmm. and the intro. Um, So it was a total team effort. And from like getting feedback to performing to writing, recording, it really couldn't have been done any other way. And I think the project is what it is in large part because of their input and feedback. And it's... It's it was such a fun process. Like it's it, mentally and emotionally draining at times because you're putting so much of yourself yeah. into it. Yeah. But I like when it's all said and done. I'm like I can't wait to do the next one. Right. And w- and was there any uh, uh, concept to that album? Did you go in with with a plan kind of of general message? Um, I mean, just the just the title transcript of thoughts to me um, is is unique in itself because I feel like that's something I'm always dealing with. You know, you have an idea that pops in your head, um, either either melody or just kind of a general idea, and I never know how to get it down, how yeah. to start it. So, did you have any kind of uh, any preconceived notion going into it, or did you just start just making stuff? I, I started just making stuff. Um, I think it all started with the EP, and I had I actually had that title in my head for years. Okay, just transcripted thoughts. It was yeah. like okay, I was floating that for a minute. And when it came time to do the album, I was like, well, this is it. And mm-hmm. so the EP was called Preliminary Thoughts. Oh, okay. And I had, I had my friend from high school who was uh, a really dope artist. She did the cover for it. So really, you know, reaching out to all these people to make things work. Uh, and all the songs on Preliminary Thoughts were samples. No features. And so that was more homegrown. And then when we got into everything else, when we got into the rest of the album, there's there's just no way I could have made all those beats, and it it it's time consuming. You you got it, and so if you're doing that, I was working on that while doing five classes in a quarter. Yeah, and 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 this was your final. Yeah, yeah. working part time, and then having to drive to Escondido to mix and record. It was pretty intense. There wasn't a lot. I have a picture of my calendar uh, during that time was nuts um and i got it professionally mastered as well by my boy um <clears throat> my boy paul yeah. zenmastering.com he's the man he's the man <laughs> for all those artists that want local and affordable he's in san diego san diego oh great yeah okay. yeah he's good folks and it it like that kind of preliminary thoughts kind of launched the the project but some artists write 40 songs and hone it to 12 in this case i kind of i i made the stuff and chose stuff that i liked yeah 
and that was it. I yeah. I had there was only one extra track that ended up not going on because it didn't fit the vibe. Okay. Um, and it was like a ska kind of track. It's really dope. Yeah. And I think the there was there's kind of a through line because they say it takes your whole life to make your first album. So all your inspirations, all all the all your inspirations growing up, all the things you're currently inspired by, all filters into this project. And yeah. at the time, like I was heavy in the underground hip hop. Yeah. Um, growing up, just heavy in the underground hip hop. I was like anti jiggy commercial. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. a sellout. <laughs> and so there was a there is a total and, and very much jazz influenced. So yeah. there's a total boom bap element there and there's a lot of jazz in it. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the through line throughout the whole album. So there wasn't conceptually, there wasn't like, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, which I think is more of what I lean toward now. Yeah. Like I'm going to do an R&B project and move in this direction sonically. Yeah. It's a little more cohesive. And this, the first album wasn't as thought out in that respect. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have 90s hip hop kind of, that's right. kind of what came out right. and what I vibe with. And so how, how do you push yourself through? How do you, <laughs> if you start a project, how do you get yourself to complete and and to a final track because uh, I, I just it, to me it's so hard it's especially with perfection I think yeah I think a lot of us think that things have to be perfect you have to get it professionally produced pro- professionally mixed and all these things <clears throat> so how do you push through yeah to- let me just say perfection is a it's a myth it's a myth it's a total myth it's a sham it gets in your way it gets in my way right um, and I think I'm doing better at it now that I'm realizing it's a joke. Mm-hmm. You even if you got something super perfect, a week later you'll be like, ah. You want to try a new sample? You want to try a new yeah. plugin or whatever it is? Yeah. There. So now it's now it's good enough. Okay. And I think making it good enough will allow me to keep going. Um, I haven't I haven't done I haven't done a second album so mm-hmm. in in a long time so but what i've done was work on other people's projects so right. deadlines deadlines one are huge yes deadlines um, are very helpful mm-hmm. some kind of accountability works mm-hmm. for me and i guess a repercussion if i didn't turn in the album i wouldn't graduate so that was kind of a hard nose yeah and I had to turn it in a week early because I got it pressed up. So I had to finish my stuff ahead of time. Okay. Like, I went the distance with this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of money that went into <laughs> a lot of loans that were pulled out yep, from financial yep. aid. Um, the, and so now, now it's about the, the past few projects that I've done have been just little EPs. And for three months, I was good for three months. I was like, Every month I'm going to put something out, mm-hmm. two to three, two to four songs, yeah. and just be on some kind of vibe. I'm going to make the cover. I'm going to mix it. And it it was it was cool. I did three of them, but it's also a lot of work. Yeah. Hence the team. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm totally team focused at this point and, and building that up. But those are some of the things that kind of push me through. The big thing is deadlines. Like if I have to turn something into somebody, that that is that fires me up more than if it's just me because then i'm like ah do it tomorrow yeah ah, i'm not feeling it today mm. and i think i think touching on you know again collaborating with other people really helps you complete stuff as well because when you do it ourselves it's just, it's just so easy to get sidetracked so easy to to want it to be better um 
uh, yeah. It's true. It's true. And and I think, like, if we worked on a track together, and you were gonna come come to the studio, I'd be like, okay, Chad's coming. I gotta have my stuff together. Right. You know, I don't want to waste his time. I don't right. want to. Which has happened before. Like, we'll we'll come in and. What did you, did you work on anything new? No. Did you work on anything new? No. So then we got to do the work versus coming in and saying, oh, this is cool. Let's run off this idea because mm-hmm. the energy is, is going right. at, at that point. And also having that, if it's if it's two or three other people, like whenever I've, I've worked with dancers and other uh, singers and stuff, and they say, hey, I really like those chords together. Let's do those chords. Mm-hmm. You go, great. And then it's almost like you can write it off the list. Like somebody else likes these, so I'm going to keep doing them. Yeah. And then, you know, and so I think that, that definitely helps. Because it helps because you're not making all the final decisions, yeah. right? Because yeah. you might not be feeling something but to your taste, but someone else might be like, yo, what What did you do? Like the dancers would be like, those chords are great. Yeah. I love what you did yeah. there. Can you just play that? So they're vibing off that. And and I think that that's super helpful because then you're. I feel like you're also able to get a lot more done in a lot less time. Right. 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 And I think that's super beneficial for everybody involved. And having that confirmation like, oh, hey, somebody likes this, so yeah. it's good. We can we can move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. And even at the end of the day, if you figure you work the song mm-hmm. or the project and it turns out to be, eh, that's all right. Because the stuff that came out of that could inspire something else <clears throat> or the skill set that came out of there will feed into another project. So it's never a waste, in, right. in my opinion. Right. Right. It all leads to something. Like, as a writer, you can write a page of junk, but there'll be one line that's, that's like a glimmer. It might not be gold, but it's a glimmer of something. So mm-hmm. you'll take that line, and that'll be the beginning of a, another writing session, and run from there. And then you, you, you shape things into something beautiful as opposed to just yeah people have written hit songs in 15 minutes but how many songs were they writing before that to get to that point right right and i think also talking talking about completing (coughs) completing projects uh um it's it's about the more work you produce the better you're going to get yes so if you think this isn't good but but if you complete it and go okay i've completed this track i've completed this whatever this painting uh that's something now my skills are a little bit better from this and yeah. you keep producing keep producing keep producing yes. uh so i think pushing uh to do that is something good yeah volume is huge <laughs> yeah i would rather i would rather just create a ton of stuff and then figure out what's dope from there than like this has to be perfect and that's the thing that stops you yeah yeah um so again i was uh let's change the subject a little bit that's fine i was reading your bio and um it it, it you were talking about the main thing that, and I think why you do what you do is is to to make other people feel good. Mm-hmm. To, as an, you're an entertainer, mm-hmm. um, so you know what what would you say about what why you like creating and, and being an artist? I've had a couple key moments as a performer where people have come come and come up to me and said like, "Hey, your work inspired me to to speak out." Your work inspired me to write. Or I remember I did a, as an undergrad, I did an independent study thing where I made a stomp-like production. Uh And one of my boys works at a charter school and he came with like 10 of his students and um, the homie Tommy came through. Uh, You know what I mean. Anyway, so the homie Tommy came through the stomp show with his students and months later I bump into him and he's like, yo man, one of my students saw your show got locked up in juvie 
but sent me this letter saying that he passes the time playing with objects and making music with them and teaching the other kids how to do it because he saw the show. Oh, wow. And so to me, like those moments are very poignant for me. I have the letter, a copy of the letter that yeah. he sent. And yeah. it's it's poignant not because it's like, I do good work because it's, I mean, my production relative to the actual stomp production is a total difference. But right, right. the fact is that you don't know who your work's going to inspire. Mm-hmm. In some cases, you will never know. But the point of it is you put it out there and someone's going to be like, wow, I resonate with that. Or wow, that moves me. As a DJ, my job is to make everybody feel good, good enough to at just baseline feel good ideally good enough to get on the dance floor and like shake their worries away for the night right right right. and that that's the it's a driving thing because it's not about yeah making the work but ultimately any kind of art is not for you it once it leaves you it's the world's at that point right, right right so it's it's your baby up until the moment that it's officially out there and at that point, people do what they want with it. They, they go to sleep to it. They make love to it. They uh, dance to it. They drive home to it. They do whatever, right? Go play basketball to, to your music. Mm-hmm. Um, your paintings will get put up in hotels, in art centers, in homes. Um, you never know who's going to come to a performance if you do live shows. And people feed off that energy. And it, you... Art is supposed to move people at the end of the day. Right. I wouldn't call it, it's, I mean, it's a bold statement to say, but I wouldn't call it art otherwise. Right. I, being right. polarizing is, is totally okay. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's definitely the feeling I get from you that, that just, I think you like to please people. Um, yeah. and like the first day you walked into the theater for Tiger Style, you started playing some stuff and everybody like, you know, we're all kind of a little bit stressed. Everybody just relaxed yeah. for a minute. And, and I, I, I looked up at you and I felt like you were into that. So mm-hmm. that's something I definitely get, um, I read off you and yeah. it's just, it's such a fun thing to be around, uh, and see a DJ who's that powerful and that inspiring and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's all about good vibes, yeah. you know, and, and music for me, it's finding the music that has that feeling and putting it out in the because I'm I'm curating feelings as a DJ, right? Right. It's 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 more than just I, I do more than just play music. Anybody can play music. What kind of vibe are we setting mm-hmm. when I'm doing weddings? Um, <clears throat> it's it's all about like what what kind of tone are we setting for these particular moments, right? Uh, or any event for that matter. So if I do a bigger event, if I'll uh, what's uh like I did a thing for Louis Vuitton, okay. and and it's at the time, they were releasing like a Ipamina Brazilian inspired bag line. And so all the music was Brazil, Bossa Nova, Girl from Ipamina. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Like, I might say around Milton Nascimento, Asru uh, uh, Gilberto, like that flavor. And that's what fit mm-hmm. for a tone. Like, I'm not going to play. Tiesto at that right because that right. doesn't fit the feel so it's all about like sending out good energy matching the energy and, and being able to take people from like level 7 to 9 to 10 11 yeah. and just constantly turning that dial up as the night progresses yeah and feeling the energy of the room that's something 
just as an audience member going, if I go to a good rock show or something, yeah. something happens where you're around all these strangers and you're all, if you're all feeling it, it's like you all become one. You're okay with touching people. You're okay with yep. like, you know, being sweaty around them and kind of in some people even hug. Like it's this really yeah. organic, awesome energy in the room. And I think that's something that you do as well. And it, and it sounds like something that you enjoy providing. Oh, absolutely. Like when, well. when the crowd is, when, when everyone's in tune with each other and vibrating on the same wavelength, it's, it's magic at that point. Like you can't, nobody can lose. Um, I'm having a good time. People are having, even if you're not dancing, you feel it. And you're just, you might be grooving in your seat or against the wall or you're chopping it up with someone and it's just, it's good energy. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the nirvana in the club, right? Like that's where everyone's trying to get to. Just let's feel good. Let's get to a good place with, with this art. You know? Yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't bring you back. Right, <laughs> right. Um. All right. Let's see. Do I have anything else? I hope I'm answering. Oh, this is this is amazing. Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. I feel like this I'm a little so scattered, but no, no, no. I'm I'm scattered. But this, I just there's like a lot of topics I wanted to <coughs> ask you. And, what else? Um, you know, I I think to touch on the main purpose of of why you're doing this, which I think is fantastic. Uh, you gotta you gotta get started with what you have. So, I. Before I got my turntables, I bought drum machines, and the the I didn't figure out how to use them thoroughly, and because of that, I was like, mm, "I'm okay." Like I didn't like my production is it's okay, but learning your craft, it it requires you to really go in depth with whatever it is you're working with. So if you just got a guitar, so I'm learning guitar, right? I got to put in the time, not to be a rock star, like Van Halen shredder kind of guy, but just to get basics down for production's sake. I got to put that, you can't get away from putting in that time. Right, right. right. And that's the thing that there's no, the thing with art is that it's not about an end goal. I like a lot of people think success is, it just means you, you made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case because there's a lot of artists out there that made a lot of money, but you don't hear from them or right. they don't move you in the same way that other artists do that right. may not have a lot as much money. Right. Doesn't mean they're not as successful. And <clears throat> it's definitely there's an saying like there's no end result saying like there's no like in banking, for example, if you become the manager of a branch, like you know you're gonna get paid X amount of dollars, or if you are a doctor, you wanna be a surgeon. Like there's a there's a set pathway to go. There's not that with art. All you and I think that's the whole thing about moving forward and being good enough is that the more you do it, the better you're going to get. There's just no other way there's no other way around it. By uh, as a you have to put in the work, and eventually, and I still struggle with this. Like, when do I know I'm good enough? Okay. Right. Everybody right. deals with self doubt. Totally. No matter how long you've been doing this. Yeah. And the, you, it just it'll happen. It'll happen as it happens as long as you're dedicated. As long as you're dedicated to the muse and to the art, it'll 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 meet you there because it sees that you're doing the work. And and the muse sees you're coming, so it's it's like a knock at the door. You have to constantly knock, and you wait there, right? As uh, as an actor, one of my teachers is like, when you're working on a character, you can't. It's not like some people come in with ideas, and you're gonna play this idea, and you put it up, and 
the actor will do their thing, but you don't connect to it because the actor hasn't fully connected to it. It's just an idea in the head. But when you when you meet when you sit at the page and when you're kind of invoking the muses, saying, "Okay, I'm here. What is these lines? Um, I get a feeling for something." You might not get it the first day. Mm-hmm. You go back to it. You say, "Okay, I'm here, muse. I'm feeling this thing. Is this? Are we there?" And after the third or fourth day, maybe the muse comes and knocks at the door and says, "How about this?" And it'll be a whisper of something, right? And when that whisper comes, you have to honor that and say, "Okay, let's follow this trail." And it leads you to something more. Um, and and that's where that's the more we follow those instincts and those little whispers and, and like, oh, I have a gut feeling about this. My intuition says to go here. Or I heard this melody. That's when things start to really move forward because the more you trust it, the more the muse meets you and, and gives you ideas and you finesse these ideas into something more. They may not always give you a hit song, but they'll give you something to work with. And it's our job as artists, be it painter, musician, um, craftsman, to shape that idea into something dope. And that's where the hours come in. When your craft is good, you can take any idea and turn it into gold. Right. Right. And that's where your pa- and the passion and the love of what you're doing also bleeds through. And I think audience uh, or, or anybody who's consuming your work is real susceptible and they, they can tell when you're lying or when you're faking Absolutely. it. And so if you're passionate about what you do, I think that totally shows yeah. and shines through and makes your work better. Yeah, you're right. The audience has a great BS detector. Yes. They'll know yeah. right away when you're... Yeah, faking the funk, right? And and that's the thing about getting started now. The sooner you do it, the better it's going to be for you. Then, and deciding on your craft, like today, there's so many, there's so many things you can jump into with MIDI controllers, with right. with you know sound banks, with plugins. There's so many options. Yeah, it's almost overwhelming. Yeah. So I think kind of if I'm reading you right, also kind of deciding I'm gonna. I'm going to play guitar right now. I'm going to do it for a year. I'm going to get good at it because yeah. it's hard in the beginning. I'm going to DJ and, and kind of picking one art form yes. and, and then maybe branching out, but really, really honing in something. Yeah, and I struggle with that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay, I I still, still like, okay, There's I have machine. Now I have push. And there is uh, there are turntables. And then there is, oh, these filters sound cool. Or new plugins. And, oh, my God, I just want to collect, collect, collect because this yeah, yeah. is all, because I'm a gearhead. yeah, yeah. But that's not like well, what I'm did not, you produce? Nothing, you know, absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'd rather now I'm like okay, let's take push. Let's like really go in it, mm-hmm. and then I'll spend my hour on guitar. I'll spend my hour on the keyboard. Spend a little time and just keep working that until it becomes second nature. And that's when things can really start to move because you're not hindered by the lack of skill in. I don't know what to do with the sample, or I don't have enough drums, or how do I EQ this thing? It's like nope. Now you're just going, 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 and all that that comes from putting in the work. Like there's just there's no other way around it. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if d- doing the work, deciding, and and just getting started. There's I I keep saying it, but there's no other way around it. You just have to do it. Yeah. And and success doesn't necessarily have to mean money. Right. It could also mean just making a living it could also mean you could work a nine to five and spend your evenings working on your art and that's fine if that's what you want to do you don't necessarily have to be a performing artist at that either but if it's a if it's something you're passionate about something you're excited about and you're able to do both work at work a job and work your art that's successful too right you know, so 
you define you can define what it success looks like for you and if and for me i'm able to pay my rent pay my bills and work and work cool jobs right like interesting fun unique stuff in theater and i can still create music even though i don't have i'm not you know on the billboard charts that's right. okay i'm right. still able to create and that's the thing that if i'm not creating i feel it and it's it's i'm a little down and because the energy isn't moving it's just stagnant and so i feel like i'm a success if i'm able to produce my work and obviously i want to get it to bigger levels but at baseline if i'm able to still do it mm-hmm. i'm a i'm a happy camper and setting small goals you know yeah. for me it was all i want to do right now is i'm going to let me learn the guitar yeah. and then i did that and then you go okay well let me join a band let's see how that goes and then let me make uh, an album or yeah. an ep and so i think setting smaller goals you know you may you, everybody's going to have a larger one in mind but but i think that's an easy way to let yourself down yeah um so if you just set these small goals i think that's also really helpful yeah and, and achievable yes yes yeah. being reasonable right because you're yeah. not going to come out and write a number one smash if right. you if you're a beginning songwriter even though that's what everybody aspires to right but you you just write one song yeah write five songs that's good yeah you'll get better you'll get feedback from people don't worry about how good it gets i think it's worrying about just putting pen to paper putting hands to strings putting hands to turntables uh playing the drums whatever it is whatever art form it is for you um doing it on a reasonable Having reasonable goals, I I agree with that. Like right. that's that's a great stepping stone to bigger stuff, because it's the little things that lead up to the bigger jumps. You might do, I mean, if you wrote a song every other day, in a month you'll have fifteen songs. That's pretty good. Yeah. Like, in a year you'll have what, one uh, eighty. That's incredible. Like you'll come out like out of those one eighty, you'll definitely have one or two hits. Right. You know, something that people resonate with. So small goals don't necessarily mean it's a bad. It doesn't mean you're not getting anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, I can go off on this stuff. No, no I, I, love I love it. This is this is so beautiful, and it and and I, uh, this is why I wanted you on because I think I I knew that you would have this kind of vibe and this kind of this uh this direction, um and again just I I touch back on it but you know talking about writing a, a song every other day that that's a big goal but it is again, you're right that is but again like s- most of that might not be that great but it's about producing like finishing the tracks yeah and I, I i touch on this because this is something i have personally have a problem with but finishing those things you know persevering don't don't get hung, hung up on how it sounds how yeah. the EQ is right now like just produce the yes track. yes and so i think uh and you'll come out with something better yeah and i've i have tons of unfinished songs that i need so i'm in the yeah. same boat as you like yeah, yeah. We, we both know what to do and that's the thing like all of us are smart enough to know we got to do the work but sometimes we just don't do it yeah. and it happens it's okay as long as we keep as long as we finish right. that's the important point right there's a there's a, a marketer a marketing guy seth godin and he talks about he sends out these daily emails about he, you seeing the world in a different way and marketing and and just doing good work and his thing is all about shipping. Ship ship your work. Mm-hmm. Shipping meaning completing, complete it and put it out into the world. Okay. The more you ship, the better you'll get. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. So same thing. Like when you do the work, you're you're gonna when you complete the work, finish the work and put it out there, you're gonna get better over time. And the important thing is not about how good it is, but maybe the important thing is more about finishing and releasing right. out into the world. 
Right. Yeah. And having that accomplishment, knowing that you completed something. Absolutely. Um, and and putting yourself out there to meet other people. I think it's super inspiring meeting, like just meeting you. And, and if I go, if I play a club with my band and meeting other bands, I, I, I feel like there used to be, I feel like people used to be a lot more competitive just mm. in my lifetime, even mm. like 10 years ago. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot more competition and something, either it's my frame of mind or, or where I'm at in my life, but I feel like people are a lot more um, willing to share their, mm-hmm. their skill sets and their work with other people mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, you know, th- this is my work. This is something I've been working on. I want, I don't, I'm scared to share it. Yeah. And so I, I have this really positive thing happening right now where people are willing to collaborate they're willing to share they're willing to talk about hey like i i play guitar this way or i have this these kinds of pedals yeah would you say that's something you experience with with other artists is kind of positivity and and willingness to share yeah with other people being open i i think the um i haven't encountered competitive in the sense of like okay so i have i've encountered djs who would not tell me a certain song. I was like, oh, this song is dope. Who is this? And one guy, I remember, he was just like, Mm-mm. "Yeah, just didn't tell me what's yeah. up. I think it was an original production of his. That might be why. Uh. But still, I was like, come on, man. <laughs> really? Really? Um, but there is, when you're open, and this is, it sounds like this is what you've experienced. Like when you're open, then that allows just for a natural energy exchange to happen. And like my my piano teacher works with, a bunch of different people and learns like I'm learning from him as he's learning stuff from me and you teach each other just by doing and like you we're going to collaborate on a track right and you're going to be like yo try this chord or try this sound and as a producer I'll be like yo what if I did that on drums how mm-hmm. would that sound mm-hmm. and there's you couldn't come to that conclusion unless you were open enough to try new things and and share what you know because it's 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 building knowledge and when you hoard that and hold it in, the energy stops. And that's when there's no growth that happens for anybody. And right. it becomes selfish at that point. Right. And I think it's totally understandable, especially when it's your livelihood. Like you, yeah. you, you, you know, make a living off doing your work and your art. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I came up to you and be like, hey, Jamie, how did you, that transition was so amazing. You know, what did you do? I could see the, the kind of natural hesitation to be like, oh, this is, you know, I, I'm scared to share this. Yeah. But I feel like the general positivity and willingness to share yeah. kind of makes everybody do better. Yes. And it's not going to take work away from you. It's going to... No, because the thing is, if I showed you how to do that transition, you could you could do it. And you can do it exactly like I do it. But overall, you won't play music the way I play music. I'll right? probably use that technique, but in my style. Absolutely. And stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because nobody, like, you can't repeat... Our Number one, our tastes are different. So if we both were DJs and rocked out a crowd and I opened for you, my set would be drastically different from your set because you're going to have different selections. You're going to transition differently. You're going to have different sound effects than I would, right? So um, ultimately, because it's art, we all have our different interpretations on it. So I'm a lot more open to share you know, transitions and and techniques with people and um and grow in that aspect. Right. As long as, I mean, I do, hopefully it's not one way. Like, hopefully you got hopefully something to show to me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. definitely. But, uh, but I'm with you on that. Like, it's about being open. And there is a little hesitancy. There definitely comes at times. Uh, because you feel the energy and you can feel when people are not 
when they're when they're willing, like, because they're actually interested, or mm-hmm. when they want to get something from you. Uh, That's you when it's different. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I wow. feel good about this. Do you feel good? Yeah. I've gotten some some amazing answers from uh-huh. you. I think I feel like we need to do a part two or something, man. Hey, like, I would love to do. A part I got two. more. I, can... I wish we did this when Misha was here. I would love to get. Misha I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, he got stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to add for the listeners, for people getting started with their art? Um, just do it. I think if I can offer any kind of inspirational words, it's just do it. Don't worry about being good. Just worry about being, worrying about get, getting better at your craft. Yeah. Be, be whatever that medium is for you. And, and be consistent as you can. If it's one song, so in this case, I'm referencing songwriters. So if it's one song a week, that's cool. Make it like one really good song a week. Right. If you are a guitarist, maybe it's creating like new chord transitions once a week that turns into a song, right? Right. Um, As long as like consistency is critical, getting started is critical, don't let your emotions get in the way. Like you might not feel like it, but once you get started, just do it for 15 minutes and then even five minutes, play your instrument and watch as you'll get the gears going and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself an hour has passed by and right. there's your time. Um, and self-discipline matters. Um, gosh, what else would I tell people? I think that's a good starting point. Otherwise yeah. I'll feel preachy, but yeah. it's, I think doing it is the biggest thing. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. I think that's also another, you just can't go wrong. Right. Do it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, try something else. It's right. totally fine. That's beautiful. Wow. Um, thank you for having me on, man. Thank this you, Shami. So I think uh, I'm going to have, we're going to play uh, your track, Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when, when did you make that? How recent is that? Oh, man. Um, that was when Mike Brown got shot. So I think it was like two years ago now, um, the whole Ferguson incident. And uh, that really moved me because I was really paying attention politically what was going on in Ferguson, what the DA did, McCullough did, and was not, obviously was not happy with the results and what had happened. And I decided to turn that into, turn these feelings into a song and I took, uh, very inspired by Jay Dilla, so I found a sample that, um, uh, Fontella, Fontella bass sample that she literally was singing, freedom, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for you and me and every other, every living thing. And I was like, this is perfect because this is what we need in this moment. And chopped it up out of the drums and, and wrote, wrote my verses and also inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement um, mm-hmm. because that was picking up also at that time. Right. And so really fusing in, like where the first verse was more of a critique on what had happened at the Mike Brown case, the second verse is more about taking a look at what's going on politically in in our world at that time. And it was still going it's on. It's still happening. It's still happening. Yeah. So unfortunately, it still has relevance for today. But yeah. uh, all that came together and I wanted to do that for for Mike Brown and for anybody that was feeling the way I felt in that moment and, and 
put that together. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's an important track. Thank you. And I think it, it's uh, something special to support Black Lives Matter. Definitely. And uh, so we're going to listen to that on the way out. And Shami, thank you so much for being on my podcast. You're my second interview. Shami. Yay! And <laughs> where can we find your work? Yes, shamidi.com, S-H-A-M-M-Y-D-E-E.com. And on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, it's all Shamidi. Right. Um and I have Snapchat, but I might change my Snapchat name. So okay, they'll find me on other stuff. But yeah, Twitter and IG, YouTube is Shamidi TV. Uh, Transcripted Thoughts is on iTunes and Spotify. Is it, it is. Yeah. It is. It's on both. And then if you get on my mailing list, I'll, I always send new mixtapes and new projects that people can listen to and download. And, and we can get on that through your website on your mailing list. Absolutely. Great. Yes. 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 All right. Sounds good. Thank you. can't leave my hands up don't shoot now please vigilante cops fury of lucifer they playing judge jury executioner bob mccullough pontius pilot grand juries no indictments i keep waiting uh, they keep slaying no restitution uh, i keep fighting what's a black life matter to you when i'm seen as a felon when i step into view of a cop with racial bias i can't even prove and holds a badge a gun and a license to shoot Every 28, one goes down. So I march with the masses, make them hear our sound. We here looking for just us. The system stacked against us. Only God can bless us. Woo! For you, for me. And every little thing that breathes. Some brothers scared to walk outside Cause cops down and brothers legal homicide I'm watching death captured before my eyes I'm hearing officers walk, I'm asking why Why no one is getting punished, witness 40 lies Can't trust Lady Justa, she taking sides Of those who hold the badge and making mistakes Because when they fuck up, I carry the weight Stop systemic discrimination Recognize my rights, a human obligation Full employment Education, decent housing, the foundation And best forget the media chatter Which ignores the core issue, Black Lives Matter Shout outs to the elders who laid the floor I'm writing this to tell you what we fighting for Freedom For you, for me yeah. And every little thing that breathes Come on This for you and for me and every little thing that breathes Just our time to work through the struggle Everybody gotta keep your head up We gonna prevail There's change in the air There's a shift in the world Something's happening y'all You a part of it Keep going Stay strong one. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. 
Okay, if you are a local San Diego artist of any kind, or maybe you're a band and you got some tour dates coming up in San Diego and you guys would like to be on the podcast, please, please, please reach out. I would love to have you on. Uh, you can find me at soundtime at gmail.com. Uh, that's S-O-U-N-D-T-H-Y-M-E at gmail.com. Would love to have you guys on. Or even if you uh, have any comments about the podcast, you love podcasts, you hate the podcast, would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Get inspired. Do what you love.